We're going to read now from uh, one of the official biographies of Jesus. They're called Gospels. And this is Matthew's Gospel, and it's chapter 2. It's a very well-known story. I think a lot of you will know it already, and you may have even uh, acted parts of it in a, in a Christmas uh, nativity service. So Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read the first 12 verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem. In Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Oh, remember that one? Well, what are these three guys really about? These three mysterious characters, these magi who come from somewhere in the east and they appear at the time of the birth of Jesus and then, frankly, they, they go off and they're never heard of again. Why is this story here? What is it all about? I think that what we learn from this story is that there are two kinds of knowledge Head knowledge and heart knowledge. Head knowledge and heart knowledge. And if you only have head knowledge, you miss the whole point. I think that's what this story teaches us. Matthew tells us of these exotic visitors at the birth of Jesus. Christmas traditions have grown up around them. Uh, we've come to call them three kings, we three kings of Orient. But it's very unlikely that they were actually kings. The text calls them magi, and that's a word that means a wise man. A magus was a wise man. Magi were often employed by kings. They were brought on staff. They were scholars. They were priests in uh, ancient religions. They studied ancient wisdom, and they, they studied how to interpret dreams. They were experts in astrology. They could read the stars. And here in Matthew's Gospel, we have this very charming account 
of they come searching for a new king to pay homage to him. Now, let me just say, if you're, if you're a skeptical person or a curious person, you probably are inclined to dismiss this story as a sort of fable, a pleasant fiction. But let me just point out that Dr. Richard France, leading New Testament scholar, tells of a famous visit by other magi to Rome in the year 66. They paid homage to Nero. And so what this demonstrates is that high-ranking Eastern magi were willing to travel west for diplomatic reasons. There's evidence that astrologers in Babylon were interested in events to the west of them. So the amazing thing about this story actually isn't that some magi came from the east. It's that they searched not for an emperor in Rome, but for the king of the Jews, and God guided their quest to the infant Jesus using the stars. Here's how it happened. They come from literally the land where the sun rises, the land of the rising sun. It's not actually Japan. More likely it's Persia, what we call Iran. And they traveled long and hard, probably for weeks or even months. These were wealthy, educated men, but they weren't believers in the God of the Bible. They didn't know him. They were pagans. They were worshippers of many different gods, a kind of DIY religion. They might not have known God, but they did know the stars. And in the ancient world, people studied the stars and they believed that the birth of a great king would be marked by movements in the astral bodies. These guys studied the stars and then they followed. They came. They made the long trek. They wanted to see this newborn king. They didn't know who it was. So naturally, they went to the capital city, Jerusalem, to see him. And then they got stuck because following the stars will only get you so far. At some point, you need God's word to speak to you. And this is how it happened. The arrival of the Magi in Jerusalem, these grand men, perhaps they were riding camels and accompanied by a retinue of servants, that would have caused quite a stir. And the local king, Herod, invited them as quick as he could to the palace. And Herod was frightened and freaked out by what he hears. Bless you. Now, this was Herod the Great who ruled Palestine. He was known for his building projects and for his cruelty. Herod was what we would call a psychopath. Now, this incident was near the end of his reign and when he was particularly paranoid. See, Herod wasn't actually Jewish. He'd been put in place by the Romans. He had no business ruling over the Jews, and he knew it. So he was insecure and very disturbed to hear about this news. Now, if Herod was alarmed, that means everyone else was alarmed as well, because heads might roll. So he called a meeting of all the top Jewish brains, and he said, hey, what's going on here? Where's this king of the Jews? Where's he supposed to be born? Come on. I'm sure there were some red faces around the table. Because it was embarrassing. The king of the Jews had been born and they didn't even know about it. But they did know their Bibles very well. And they recalled a passage from the prophet Micah which had been written some seven centuries before. Here's what it said. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, 
for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. It's a great prophecy. You see, for hundreds of years, the Bible had spoken about a king who one day would come and put the world to rights. This king would rule with great power, but unlike many who exercise power, he would also be just. He would bring social justice. He would bring peace. He would rule with wisdom and equity. He would put the world to rights. He would introduce a period of prosperity and plenty, abundance and peace that would create the world that we all want. And he was known as the Messiah, which means God's special king. So they were waiting for this king and wondering when he might come. And you know, another word for Messiah is Christ. Now remember again what we learned from this story. There are two kinds of knowledge, head knowledge and heart knowledge. And if you only have head knowledge, you miss the whole point. And these two kinds of knowledge are revealed in the characters. First of all, think about the experts that Herod called in. The text says they are chief priests and teachers of the law. These guys are the top of the tree as far as Judaism goes. They have immense knowledge of God's word, the Bible. The scribes were experts in the Old Testament. Some of them actually knew the whole of it by heart. Now that's a lot of knowledge. And the high priests were the senior religious leaders in the nation. If anybody had knowledge, it was these guys. But what did they do with it? They told Herod about the prophecy of Micah, and then they did nothing. Because it remained head knowledge, facts, data that they'd learned. God's plan to save the world was being revealed only a few miles away. And they did nothing. Now friends, this is a person who knows a lot about God from the Bible, but that knowledge does them no good at all. It just remains in their head. It doesn't change them. It doesn't change their hopes, fears, dreams, aspirations. It doesn't change their destiny. And actually to be in that position is very dangerous. And let me say, in a church like this, in a room this size, there are people who know a lot about the Bible. Perhaps you were brought up with the Bible with your mother's milk. Perhaps you've been through lots of youth work and children's work. Perhaps you've, been, you've heard more sermons than you've had at dinners. But you can have all that knowledge and it do you absolutely no good at all because it's stayed in your head. It has to get to the heart, the center of who you are. Now what about Herod himself? Once he'd been brought up to speed about Micah's prophecy and he learned that Bethlehem was the location for the Messiah's birth, he acted with ruthless efficiency as he was wont. He called the wise men in secretly and he says this. He found out the exact time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem. Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. You know, if this was pantomime, we would all be booing at this point. Boo! Because he's got no intention of worshipping the Messiah. His real goal is elimination of a potential rival to his kingship. But the wise men aren't taken in. They never actually went back. And when Herod discovered that he had been tricked, he reacted with swift and terrible vengeance. And because there are young people in the room, I'm not going to say what he did, but adults can look up verse 16. It was terrible. Now, friends, this is a person who learns about God from the Bible, 
But that knowledge does them no good at all. In fact, it makes them worse because it prompts them to reject God. They don't want his rule over their lives. They don't want to come under his blessing. They don't want him to be their Lord. They do everything to expel him from their lives. Now, this happens in every culture and every generation. In our culture here in the United Kingdom, we're generally quite polite when we want to reject God from our lives. It's quite subtle. It comes with a certain amount of cold contempt, put-downs, the cold shoulder, a soft rejection of people who, you know, those kind of Christians take it all a bit too seriously, Bible bashers. But underneath, it's just as cold as Herod. It comes with a cold fury and hatred of God saying, I don't want you ruling my life, I don't want you anywhere near me. Because by nature, we're all actually allergic to the true God. So you can have head knowledge about the, from the Bible that actually makes you a worse person. I wonder if, if you, you chime with that. I wonder if you can realize today that maybe you've been like that. Please don't stay there. It didn't end well for Herod. It never does. But there's another kind of knowledge, and it is the sweetest thing for the human spirit. It's when head knowledge goes down to the heart the center of who you are, becomes heart knowledge. And we see it in the Magi. Here, I'll pick up in verse 9. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. You see, not phased by the Jerusalem incident, they carried on searching carefully. Remember, they still don't know much, but they do know enough to keep on searching. And they are rewarded. God guides them himself using his creation, a star. And when they find the baby, what does it say? They were overwhelmed with joy. Yeah! They were overwhelmed with joy. It's not going to do it again. Literally, the Bible says in the original language, they rejoiced with very great joy. I think it's making a point. The net translation says they shouted joyfully. They found the baby king. They were overjoyed. They asked no questions about the state in which they found him, a lot more humble than they expected. They just knew that he was worthy of worship. So they bowed down and worshipped him and gave him their gifts, gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. See, the Magi had found the baby king, and this was exactly the way that the shepherds had worshipped. Remember we thought about them yesterday? Shepherds very low down in the social order of society. Not only on the outside of the city, but on the fringe of everything. There they were out in the dark night, minding their own business, guarding these precious flocks. And an angel appeared to them, not a star, an angel. And not only told them that the Messiah had been born, but invited them to get involved to get up close, to join the celebrations, to be part of the rejoicing, to witness and to worship. And they did. They too ran, in their case, to the stable and saw the infant king, the baby Messiah. And they were full of joy. That's heart knowledge. It's gone from being just facts that you've learned to actually sinking into the core of who you are 
and doing something wonderful inside you that changes you forever because you've come to know the Messiah as your King, your Lord and Savior. You see, from the very first moment that Jesus Christ entered the world, he invited everyone to know him. Foreigners, locals, people who were the elite, people who were scruffy outcasts, to draw near to him, to love him. Learned men from a far-off land, chief priests and scribes could have gone. Even shepherds were welcome to come. This is the heart of Christmas, friends, that our Savior reaches out and he invites every one of us, he invites you into a loving relationship with him. Wherever we're from, whatever our background, he invited everyone on that first Christmas and he continues to do so every day. But not everyone came. Remember, what we learn from this story is there are two kinds of knowledge. There's head knowledge and heart knowledge. And if you only have head knowledge, you miss out on everything. So let me urge you this Christmas not to do that. Let me urge you this Christmas to be like the Magi and search, to be like the shepherds to come. Let me ask you, where are you in this story? Which characters are you most similar to? close with two invitations. The first is just to take a book. This beautiful book has been produced by the church this year. A local man who's a member of the church has written it. It's a wonderful take on Christmas. A good light read and something that you will enjoy after your Christmas dinner and pudding. The family, the feast and the fairy tale. Do grab one or more. We've got plenty left and take it and read it or give it to someone else. And if you're local to us here and you're brave enough to take the next step, Could I invite you to come on a course in January, just three Tuesday nights in the cafe here called Hope Explored. Hope Explored thinks about hope and how we can find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Details of that are in the back of the book. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you drew people then and you draw them now. Thank you that you even bend the laws of nature to send a star to guide people. Thank you that you even sent spiritual angels to come and speak. But thank you that you've given us your reliable word, the Bible, and in that we learn of these events that fill our hearts with joy. I pray that you would draw us nearer to you this Christmas, everyone in this room. Amen.